It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whether your business needs cars, vans, or larger commercial vehicles, you can rent from the best lineup in the UK with Enterprise. And with flexible long-term rental, you can get vehicles for as long as you need them, from minutes to months. Whatever the mission, Enterprise's mobility experts can build a bespoke solution to suit your business needs. Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, hello, happy Tuesday, my friends. Welcome to another Andy Goldstein Talksport Daily Podcast with me, your host, Andy Goldstein. And of course, we begin with the confirmation that Ralph Ragnick will be the new interim manager of Manchester United until, of course, the end of the season when they get another manager. We'll hear from Danny Murphy, Leicester boss Brendan Rodgers, Simon Moni Moni Jordan, ex-United assistant Rennie Mullenstein, but first, the former Liverpool captain and manager Graham Souness's reaction to the appointment. Is it Graham Souness's or Souness's? You decide. Right now, Man United have an underperforming squad of players. Will this new guy, who's never been in English Premier League, be able to do that? I don't think so. I don't get this appointment on any level. If you're thinking in five to ten years' time, the structures he might put in place, six months, and then he's going to take a bit of a consultancy role, nice pension for him, 63 years old, lovely job if he can get that sort of work. But I, I, just don't, I just don't get this appointment. I think the biggest problem United have got is not improving. I think they will improve. The biggest problem they've got is the gap is so big between the best teams now and Manchester United is that even some improvement isn't good enough. This man isn't a stupid man. Nope. He's 63 years of age, been around the football world, worked for billionaires that have owned the, the Red Bull consortiums in Austria and Germany. So he knows his way around and knows what he's coming into and knows the culture from the outside looking in. I would suspect he's not going to be a £10 mallet crushing an acorn. I suspect he's going to drag these players voluntarily, but definitely where they need to go. That's the one. And I think you'll see United being far better for the tenure that he's there. Well, it can't be worse. I think that this guy could be the best signing that Manchester United have made both on and off the pitch since probably Robin Van Persie. Do me a favour, please. It, it, honestly, it's beyond a joke. The pundits are beyond a joke. And our fans are a joke as well, by the way. Because honestly, I've never seen a bunch of fans accept mediocrity the way that our bunch of fans have learned to accept mediocrity. I think they've appointed a, a very experienced man in football, both in his role as a, a sporting director and, and as a coach. But clearly, very, very experienced guy who's very well thought of in the game and uh, he'll come in and offer that experience and that stability to the club. Manchester United, everybody's talking about now pressing and gigging pressing with Reinhardt maybe coming in and this and that and the other. I don't know where that discussion has come from. Pressing is not something that you just introduce from the, the one day to the next. There's a time for pressing. But more than anything, what I think Manchester United needs is needed to go back to is to play football. Keep the ball. Mm. Keep the ball with rhythm. Keep the ball with authority. He won't be talking in riddles and getting jobs for the boys. He'll cut through it. He's got six months to lay down his foundations and he strikes me as very Germanic in his approach to things. It'll be straight down the line. This is the job I'm going to do. You guys are coming with me or you're offside. And I think that's going to be fascinating to see. 
I believe that they should go and win the Champions League. If Tuchel did it at Chelsea with those players from where he was, what are you laughing at? Is it, is it that unrealistic, really? <laughs> and staying with United, Michael Carrick's decision to bench Cristiano Ronaldo for the draw against Chelsea did divide opinions of Ali McCoyst and Jamie O'Hara. But first, Andy Jacobs, big Chelsea fan, slamming United for the way they played at the bridge. The Manchester United fans delighted and probably extremely shocked that their team have taken the lead. They came here for a nil-nil. I didn't like the way United played. I thought it was, you know, for a club of their calibre, I thought it was pathetic. I they really needed did. something from the game, though. You can yeah, understand I mean, why I can they understand that, can't but go toe-to-toe. Yeah, lose. but I thought they were, were really, really poor. Honestly, if they want to play like that, they should have appointed Sean Dyche. It was, like, <laughs> it was a it was bit like, harsh. It was like watching Burnley, it was. <laughs> Decaire played every ball long. So you know, and they and they got everybody behind the ball. Fine, but it was so boring to watch. They got a new man in charge now. Of course. Well, we'll see what happens there then. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it's difficult when you've got twelve versus ten as well. You know, they had Anthony Taylor and we had Timo Werner. <laughs> I'd have played him. I get all the tactics, and I get, you know, and I get everybody saying, well, because of his age and because of his his age and years, if you like, he hasn't got the ability to close down a higher tempo as perhaps some of the other Man United forwards. However, the one thing you can guarantee is he's a big time player and a big occasion player, and for that reason. I would have started him. If Ronaldo's coming on and they're losing the game 2-1 and he's coming on and it's desperation, let's put Ronaldo on to try and get something from it, then I can understand the argument. But if you look at the facts, Carrick got it right because they were winning. Ronaldo don't have to play every single minute of every single game. You know, he's 36. Michael Carrick got it right. On now to the winner of the prestigious Ballon d'Or, or Balloon d'Or, as it's commonly known in Essex. And if I'm honest, we recorded this before the announcement. So I'm just going to say that the winner was, of course, Fred. Well done to Fred. Congratulations. Lionel Messi has won this year's Ballon d'Or, beating Robert Lewandowski to the top prize. It's the seventh time he's won the award and his second in a row after it was cancelled in 2020. The way it's set up at the moment, it's, it's hard to imagine when they will ever let anyone else win it because then there'll be questions asked about the, you know, the, the actual award itself. And we're in that age, aren't we, where lots of young people around the world, you can tell from their Twitter feeds and their Instagram feeds, they support Lionel Messi, not Barcelona, not PSG, mm-hmm. not Spain. They support Lionel Messi. This award needs to find a way to move itself forward away from the era of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. And Lewandowski heads it into the net. Six of the very best from Bayern Munich. I feel for Lewandowski a bit. To be fair, Messi said tonight that he felt sorry for Lewandowski. He felt he should have won the Ballon d'Or, <laughs> which was last year when it got cancelled. You know, that's pretty magnanimous of him, to be fair. I personally don't think it should be Messi. I love Messi. He's a great, great player. Yeah, but I thought for what Lewandowski's done consistently he deserved it in my view it's like Beckham really when you think about it what he did for football you know bringing the attention to it and like the merchandise and all that mm. and he, he did that for La Liga La Liga mm. I lost about him really now I mean look at Barcelona and you know the likes of Real Madrid when they lost Ronaldo they just struggled really against top teams and Messi really and Ronaldo as well they haven't done anything in the last two or three years and here's the Newcastle manager, Eddie Howe, looking ahead to tonight's relegation clash with Norwich in the Premier League. He told Jim White he wants to create winning mentality at St James's Park. 
Well, there's no other team in the country's top four division who have not managed to win in the league this season. Winning and losing does become a habit. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I do believe it's true. And I've been in all, all sorts of phases in my career as a player and as a manager. Obviously, I've only been here now for two games, but the team's experienced the whole season. Um, the players have been through that and it's been it's been difficult for them. But I think in these moments, I think really do define you as a, as a person and your character. And it's in the difficult moments where you have to be really resolute and resilient and use the disappointments you've had to motivate you, to use the pain to fire you, to try and succeed again. And that's what we're trying to do. Time now to hear from Jamie O'Hara with a slightly bizarre claim that relegation this season might actually benefit Newcastle. And unless they are careful, there will be no way back. Only once has a team survived from this position. If they get relegated, they can almost regroup. You know, yeah. you always find Newcastle, it's like desperation to try and stay in the Premier League. Everyone mm. does it. We've got, we got to stay in the Premier League. We've got to stay in the Premier League. But if you look at, say, you know, you look at Norwich, they have a they have a system of what works for them. They come down, they go up, but and now they're trying to do it, and they might do it with Dean Smith. If I look at Newcastle, they've been clinging on and clinging on, and they've got this poor mentality where they hardly ever win any games. If they actually do go down, I don't think it's the worst thing for them because they can change the mindset of the group and then come back into the Premier League a season later because they will get promoted. They come back up with a different mindset and a different mentality. Now, to boo or not to boo? That's the question. Well, it is if you're a Brighton fan. And Adrian Durham thinks that the Albion supporters had every right to boo Graham Potter's side after the draw to Leeds at the weekend. Brighton haven't won for two months. Brighton, after all this time under Potter, are still struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. So when you're in a tight middle of the table, I think the league position is kind of meaningless right now because a couple of defeats and you could be down there, a couple of wins, you could be right up there. It's kind of meaningless, really. So the fans are looking at what's going on. So he hasn't solved the goal-scoring problem and they haven't won in two months. So what's wrong with them booing? Boo! Boo! It wasn't uh, all of our supporters, you know. It was uh, a few of them. As disappointing as it is, you have to accept that because that's the world we're in. People are entitled to their opinions. It's also important to communicate with supporters. It's, a, it's a, to speak to them because they're, they're really important. They're the most important people at the club. You know, if you think that they can maybe help a little bit more, then I think it's important that we they're able to communicate with them. Now, ahead of the game against Leeds United, Crystal Palace boss Patrick Vieira thinks that despite recent results, tonight's opposition are still playing at a high level. The way that uh, Leeds playing, it's really demanding. Obviously, a lot of energy game after game. It's really difficult to uh, to maintain. But I think when you look at their game as well, they've been really unlucky in some of the games where they should score and they didn't. And I think it's at the moment things not going on their way. But that doesn't take away the the energy and the quality that that they have. Regarding the the physicality from last year to this year, is difficult because I didn't watch them play so many times last year. But that is the team that for me play with with organization and. Energy energy and that didn't change really. England captain Joe Root has been speaking with a week to go until the start of the Ashes in Australia. 
after his former Yorkshire teammate Azim Rafiq claimed that the sport is institutionally racist in England, Root confirmed that he's spoken to Rafiq and wants to help change the culture within sport. We've exchanged a couple of messages since, quite recently actually, and hopefully when we finish this tour, we'll get the opportunity to to sit down and and talk about this whole situation, about how we can move the game forward. You know, as I mentioned in my statement as well, along with talking to Azim, I wanted to speak to to Lord Patel at at the club and and, those dialogues have started as well. So um, I think it's important that we keep finding ways of bettering the sport, finding ways how we can individually affect things for the better. On now to a bit of boxing and TalkSport's James Savundra has been speaking to both Amir Khan and Kel Brook after the press conference with the fight being agreed for the 19th of Feb next year. I don't know why I've said next year. It can't, of course, be this year unless they had a time where they don't have a time machine. Anyway, we told you about this in the last episode of the podcast. Of course we did. We'll hear from Brook shortly, but first up, it's Khan and why this won't be his last fight. Unless, of course, he loses. And then it will be unless he comes out of retirement for lots of money. And then it won't be. I've been training the last couple of months. I've been, and I feel so good. I feel so strong. I feel so sharp. And I'm like thinking, wow, I've got a few more years left in me. So, you know, I speak well. I'm not punch drunk yet. So I'm all right, man. I mean, I'm still going strong. I know I've seen other fighters at 35 day did not let themselves go, but luckily I, I'm not one of them to let myself go. I've always stayed in the gym, stayed busy, but I, I love the sport. You know, having that time off makes you love the sport more because you end up missing it. Yeah, I can't wait to get back in that ring again and get into proper hard training camp as well. We've been talked about since we're a teenager. He's always avoided the fight. I think that he's. His back's against the wall in his fight. This is, nobody wants to see him in America. No one wants to see him in any other fight. This is the biggest fight out there for him. This is probably why he's, he's probably ended up taking the fight. Because believe you me, that this has been on the table for a long time and he's never wanted the fight. That's it, gang. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever we get your podcast from. Of course, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. I'm back on TalkSport today on Andy Goldstein's Drive Time Show alongside Darren Goff. That one from 4pm. A reminder that at 6pm tonight, you've got kickoff around the grounds. That's on TalkSport 2. Adrian Durham presents all the goals as they go in on a busy night of football, including Newcastle against Norwich and Leeds against Palace. Kickoff then joins TalkSport at 7pm. There will, of course, be another one of these Andy Talk to Daily Podcasts out first in the morning, so do what you've got to do to get it. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a great day, and above all, be safe, everyone, be safe. That was a podcast from TalkSport. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk.